keep looking for something I can't get Broken hearts lie all around me And I don't see an easy way to get out of this Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Brett Keen And you are watching and listening to The Brett Keen Show I hope you're all having a blessed day out there Today we're going to talk about how the book of Genesis and the Bible, the very first book of creation, um, correlates with modern day science and a lot of the claims that go along with the theory. A lot of atheists out there do not think that the possibility of evolution could actually work with Genesis and vice versa. A lot of Christians out there don't believe that um, the story of Genesis can correlate with um, evolution right back. It's interesting. I don't know how many of you actually watched Carl Sagan, but Carl Sagan actually said that we are the children of stardust. And what he meant by that is that there's a great deal of materials that exist within the properties of a star that can be found in our biology. It is also said by science that there's a lot of material that is within the crust of the earth that can also be found. So basically, if you were to do a study on dirt and dust and the material that is on the ground, you'll find a lot of its elements in humanity. So what does the Bible claim? The Bible claims that God actually created us from the dust of the earth, the materials, the properties. Interestingly enough, um, according to the Bible, God created us from that now, the question that you have to ask yourself is, where did this dust in the Bible come from in the first place? It's also important to note that God could have created us a billion different ways. Has anybody ever thought of that? A lot of atheists like to claim that God is a sky daddy, that he used magic in order to create things. But that's not what the Bible claims. The Bible doesn't claim that God used any kind of magic or anything that would be considered unscientific. He actually used the properties around us in order to make us. He actually used the earth to create us. So getting back to the question of the dust, this is fascinating. According to science, materials from dying stars, especially stars that have exploded, a lot of the properties from the stars actually create the very dust that are on planets. That's where the dust actually comes from, ladies and gentlemen. And there's a, another alternative to where dust comes from, but you'll see why it is that it fits perfectly with the Bible. Dust also comes from the material of dead things, such as humans and animals and all that. Now, being that the creation story is about the beginning of humanity and animals, then we would have to interpret that logically as the dust that God made us from would have been from the stars and the material of the universe. So... Today, we're going to discuss the similarities between modern-day science <clears throat> and the Bible. You get a lot of atheists out there who claim that there's, it's not a scientific document. There's even Christians out there who claim that the Bible is not a scientific document. They'll say that, but have they actually compared it? 
There are so many different fields of science out there, it would be very difficult for an average layman to be able to go back and forth between the Bible and the many claims that are in science as well as back and forth through theology. So what I did was I looked into an artificial intelligence. I used chat GPT as well as many other forms of software. And all I have to do is just simply ask it, can you give me any facts that correlate between science and the creation story of Genesis? Well, we're going to talk about that. Here we go. One of the first things that the Bible claims that correlates with science is the order of creation. In Genesis 1, the order of creation events somewhat perils the order suggested by the theory of evolution. For example, light, day and night, is created before the development of plants and sea creatures and birds precede land animals. So whether you believe that God actually had a hand in writing the Bible or not, somehow the primitive men knew the order and how we came into existence, and science agrees with it. The very order. According to science, life started out in water. So immediately Christians are going to be like, well, wait a minute, that's how does that correlate with science? Well, because science actually claims that everything started from the water. We started out as microorganisms, if you believe in evolution. So that means that everything started in the water and then it made its way up into land. So whenever the Bible actually says that God created the fish and the and the creatures in the water, it does go on to say, though, which the atheists will probably bring up, is that eventually birds came out of this. Now, what do the atheists and the scientists claim? They claim that the creatures in the water would eventually evolve into land creatures and also the, the birds and all that. Some people actually believe and interpret science as saying that the creatures that came out of the water would evolve off into many different creatures, right? And some of them obviously would go from water to land, and some of them would turn into flying creatures, which the Bible actually does the order correctly. Interesting, right? We all come from the water, and then voila. Of course, the problem, there's the one issue, though, where the Bible actually claims that God strictly created us from the land, but there's more to it than that. One doesn't have to just, that isn't the end of the conversation, simply because it says God created us from the materials of the earth, as where everything else that is alive came from the water. The concept of time. The Bible describes the creation days as periods, and some interpret them as representing longer geological eras, aligning with the concept of deep time in geological history. Water and life. The Bible describes water as a fundamental element in the creation narrative. Water is essential for life, and many scientists agree that water is a crucial factor in the development and sustenance of life. So the Bible spends a lot of time in the Old Testament, and even Jesus talks about how important water was and the existence of us. Now, I know some people nowadays, because of what we know and the knowledge that we have, 
you take that for granted. But if these were five to 10,000 year old men who are basically nomads living off in the desert and they're telling you that they believe that life actually started from water and they describe for you the stars and how the dust works and all this without having any kind of scientific knowledge or science books or microscopes or anything like that, that's extraordinary beyond belief. They could have easily said we came out of crackers. They could have easily said that we, the planet doesn't have any kind of outside rim to it, all right? But if you look in the book of Hebrews, it actually states that God created many other worlds. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The primitive men of the Bible, when they were writing the word of God, some would say that God was actually using them to write it, they seem to know all these scientific facts without having any kind of equipment or machinery. One could probably claim that there was some kind of supernatural element to it. We're going to get back to the dust of the earth in Genesis 2-7. It is mentioned that man was formed from the dust of the earth. This aligns metaphorically with the idea that the elements making up the human body are found in the earth's crust. So, just as I said, the artificial intelligence agrees with me on this. Common ancestry. While the Bible does not explicitly endorse the theory of evolution, the idea that all humans share a common ancestry through Adam and Eve is consistent with the concept of single origin for the human species. Yeah. You have to think about this for a moment. The Bible, if you look at science, science says that we all originated and we're all connected somehow, okay? When you read the Bible, it actually tells you directly right out that we are a part of all things. We are all a part of God's creation. Everything that you see around you is God's creation, and everything is connected. We are like a cosmic family. So whether you're an atheist who strictly claims to go after science and you don't like theology well the bible agrees with science and science agrees with the bible the difference is is that the bible actually knew all this and had this knowledge prior to the existence of the very word called science stewardship of creation the Bible emphasizes human responsibility for the earth and its creatures, aligning with the modern ecological and environmental stewardship movements. Basically, God created us to be able to have the ability to rule over animals. Well, we can see that in our modern day, don't we? Although there's some very powerful animals out there, and if one or two humans are put in a bad position, they may be defeated, the fact is, is that we literally have created zoos, we, we feed off of animals in our very grocery stores, we hunt, um, we, have, we are the ones who actually named every species, we've named every creature that exists, we're the ones that basically entitled everything and made distinctions, which by the way, the Bible says that God gave us the authority to do, something to think about. The expansion of humanity. 
The Bible in Genesis 9, 1, 7 talks about God's command to Noah and his descendants to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. This aligns with the scientific understand, understanding of population expansion. Obviously, humans were fruitful, and they went on this massive, um, <laughs> basically, descent to be able to create all the humanity that is around you. See, in a way, if you think about it, it's kind of two creation stories, right? There's the first creation, and then humanity, as well as a bunch of supernatural things ended up happening that wasn't good for humanity. Depends on if you read some of the books that are also not canonized, that are not in the Bible, but also respected as a part of God's Word, or at least appreciated in some way, then you know why God actually flooded the earth. And what's fascinating about that is, if you look back in science, science actually does say that there were a lot of cataclysms, there were catastrophes, and it is even said that because we live on a planet of water, 75 to 80% of our planet is water, it wouldn't take much to be able to flood the lands. In fact, in modern day science, they claim that if the ice caps were to melt, in the North and South Pole, the entire Earth would be covered in water. Rainbow as a sign. Obviously, in the story of the flood with Noah, the rainbow mentioned in Genesis 9, 13, 17 is described as a sign of God's covenant with Noah. And this is often interpreted as a natural phenomenon explained by the dispersion of light. So although some people might laugh and say, oh, in the Bible, it says that God created the rainbow in order to basically symbolize that this is what's happening, you know, between humanity and God, a relationship and a promise that is made. But what's really, really neat, if you think about it, if you put all that aside and just think about what a rainbow actually is, the rainbow exists because of light and God claims to be the light itself. He claims to also be love, and he claims to be pretty much everything around you. That's one of the reasons why pantheists and deists exist. Pantheists believe that God is the universe. If you were to ever ask yourself, how is God all around us, but we don't notice a marcium and all that, you hear a lot of non-believers make that argument. Well, the universe is all around us, but you can't perceive the entire universe even though you know for a fact you're covered by it because it's so expansive and so big and so great right we're completely surrounded by the universe but we can't perceive it because of its ginormity concept of kind the Bible talks about different kinds of creatures reproducing according to their kinds, Genesis chapter 1, verse 24 through 25, which some people interpret as acknowledgement of distinct species. This is one of the reasons why people like Kentovind and whenever he's debating atheists, they get themselves in all kinds of issues because the Bible already acknowledges the distinction of species. It already says, you know, God made this group, God made that group, God made that. And people like Kentoven and people who are 
end of the story, whether you believe the earth is 6,000 years old or millions of years old or billions, uh, they interpret it as that God put a set concept together, which by the way, I will agree if it is only that, that God set it up to where there's these community of animals and that they don't vary, but they're still in a way diverse depending on color and location and what their fur looks like, but they're very similar and distinction in the way they look like one can see why evolutionists and religious people will go back and forth on this but the difference is if you were to listen to the theist the theist is absolutely correct um, richard dawkins was asked is there any way to observe and richard dawkins by the way if you don't know is a premier zoologist biologist he is the very what they call the pope of atheism who actually goes along with evolution so he actually claims that evolution is so slow you wouldn't even be able to notice the difference anyway literally it takes millions and millions of years to be able to um, associate any kind of you know real change in a species so doesn't really matter does it the religious person has the right of way on this through observation we see a dog and we can tell the difference between a dog and another dog and another dog and we can tell the difference between a cat and a, you know something a cat that's out in the jungle versus that of a domesticated cat you can still tell that they're still cats the cat will never turn into a butterfly or some other weird shit that some people interpret evolution as being. All right, so the tree of life. In Genesis 2.9, the Bible mentions the tree of life, which can be metaphorically related to the interconnectedness of life on Earth, with all living organisms being part of the broader tree of biological evolution. Isn't that fascinating? Genesis describes for us that it was because of the tree why it is that humanity branched off like it did, as well as creation. When Adam and Eve ate from that tree, it affected all creation, including the animals and every life form on it. And then whenever you look in science books, there's an evolutionary tree where it actually shows how everything branches off. Isn't that fascinating? Think about that. Why did the scientists decide to actually use the analogy of a tree branching off all the species whenever Genesis actually does the same thing. Eh, perhaps it's because scientists have been taking a look at that Bible and they've been using a lot of the good stuff in it. <laughs> all right, so we've got some more stuff here. We've got a few more points and then we'll end the video. Creation out of nothing. The concept of God creating the universe ex nihilo, out of nothing, in Genesis aligns with the scientific understanding of the Big Bang Theory, where the universe is thought to have originated from an extremely dense and hot state. That's right. The Bible actually describes that the universe had a beginning. you got to ask yourself this. If, if God is mythology and God is not real, if God is some kind of mythical wizard that lives in the sky that is praised by children, then how the hell did they know that? In the book of Isaiah, it goes into deep detail about the expansion of the universe. Christians have talked about it for over a thousand years now. 
And it's one of the things that atheists can't touch with a 10-foot pole. And I've also pointed this out. This will probably be the hundredth time I've explained this. The Bible teaches that God is outside of space and time, that God is ageless, that he cannot get older, right? Not a, not according to the universe's time because he actually exists out of it. The Bible even tells you that God's time is different than our own. So it it says that we're like candles in the wind. We're like dust. Our lives literally are over in a moment compared to God's perspective of all things. God has the advantage of being able to see all things at all times, which is why he's all-knowing. If you're outside the universe and you created the universe, then you could easily be able to keep track of everything that is going on, especially if you're a God that is able to manifest itself into matter, which God proves he can do in the New Testament whenever he becomes Jesus Christ. God can manifest himself as a bush. He can communicate through animals. The atheists will laugh and say something like, ah, you believe that animals talk. Well, you believe you are an animal and you're talking, aren't you? The uh, atheists will also say, well, you believe Jesus Christ uh, actually got up from the dead? That's not scientifically possible. But then the atheists will turn around and tell you that billions of life forms came out of nothingness and came into existence without any kind of guidance. I mean, the Christians are just simply claiming that one guy went from dead to alive is where atheists are claiming that every life form that you see on this earth, everything that is sentient simply came out of nothing without any help. So what is the more extraordinary claim? One guy getting up after he's dead for three days or billions of trillions of life forms? Think about it. Human dominion over animals. Genesis 1, 26, 28 mentions humans having dominion over the animals. Some interpret this as a call for responsible stewardship, aligning with the modern ecological perspective on humanity's role in caring for the earth. We were basically told that we have the authority over the earth. Not Christians. It didn't say Christians or Muslims have authority over the earth. It said humanity. A lot of Muslims misinterpret the Bible, and they also misinterpret their own Quran. They were not given dominion over the um, earth to be able to dominate and cut people's heads off and try to control what other people think. All of humanity, all of humanity, all good and evil people were given dominion over the earth and its animals and the properties therein, okay? If someone were to ask what kind of planet this is, they would say it's a human planet, but animals are there. But strangely enough, for whatever reason, God created animals before mankind, even though we were the ones that he was going to primarily focus on whenever it came to consciousness. Think about that. Isn't that odd? He creates all the animals. He creates all the resources, all the material. But if you also ponder it a little bit, it makes sense because God put all the things we needed first. He fine-tuned everything, and then he put us here, which makes absolute sense, and there's no magic involved. Separation of waters. 
The separation of waters above and below the expanse in Genesis 167 is often seen as a metaphor for the Earth's water cycle, which involves the movement of water between the atmosphere and the Earth's surface. Somehow the Bible got that right. That's another scientific fact. We also know that there are different forms of water out there. Water, There's water in the ocean that has different properties in it that are not good for us unless we create filter machines in order to be able to fix that. So far, we haven't done a whole good job of being able to separate nasty shit out of our water so we could be able to drink it. It's one of the reasons why there's a lot of places in the world where there's shortages. You would think, oh, we live on a water planet that's 80% water, yet there's still people out there who aren't drinking water. It's a lot of problems with it, a lot of, a lot of stuff that gets into it. Symbolism of seven days. The seven-day structure of the creation account is seen by some as literary framework rather than a literal timeline. This aligns with scientific views that focus on the overall sequence of events rather than a strict 24-hour day interpretation. Not all denominations of Christianity read into it that the days that are mentioned in the beginning were actual literal time and days. There's something else that Christians need to consider, because I know a lot of Christians believe that. They believe that the days were literal. There's something you need to think about. Besides the fact that God's time is different than our own, it's also different in different spots of the universe. I don't know how many of you, just to be able to give a simple analogy, not to confuse you, but... There's a lot of scientists out there who believe in black holes and wormholes and all this kind of stuff. Did you know that if you went into certain parts of the universe, it is theorized that time may be different on different worlds, depending on where they're located in a solar system or a specific galaxy. That's right. You could go to a different planet, and of course, the seasons would be different. The time would be different. Well... How do we know that when the earth was being created, it, time and days weren't completely different? We don't know that. You know, it depends on the denomination of Christianity, I suppose. Depends on uh, the denomination of Islam or whoever has the creation story. Yes, Muslims actually believe in Adam and Eve. They actually believe in the same story of Genesis that Christians do, and Jews. If you've never read the Quran, then I suppose you wouldn't know that. Genetic unity of humanity, the idea of all humanity being descended from a single pair, Adam and Eve, is consistent with the genetic unity of the human species, as suggested by modern genetics. Modern genetics actually agree that we originated from an original source there had to have been according to science and adam and eve whether you call them adam and eve or not there had to be a male and a female human in order for us to come into existence there's no getting around that whether you believe that the story is mythology or not science is telling you that we had to have that adam and eve at some point in time in order for us to exist today in fact, genes are so 
complex and fascinating and have so much data and information that you can actually look into people's genetics and DNA and be able to trace back their ancestors. It is set up in such a way like a language and code. Our blood is like a library that you can go back in time and actually be able to understand our original place as we allegedly evolved or survived throughout all these years. That's how fascinating our blood is and our body and our biology. Some of you may not know that. <clears throat> death and decay after the fall. The idea that death and decay entered the world as a consequence of human disobedience, Genesis 3, 9, act 19, actually aligns with the scientific understanding of the natural cycle of life and death. Life and death is the two most important things to every living creature on the earth. It is our story. It's our beginning and end. Um, what we do in between life and death is what we call the experience. The only thing even more important than that is the preciousness of time. Fertility and population growth. The command to be fruitful and multiply Genesis 128 aligns with the scientific principle of reproduction and population growth. Agricultural beginnings. The mention of Adam working the ground, Genesis 2.15, aligns with the development of agriculture, considered a crucial step in human civilization. The Bible actually explains that once the humans actually left their original source, when they were banished, as some Christians would call it, the Bible actually describes for you historically how humankind actually went on to survive and what they did to survive. The Bible knew it because those people actually were there. <laughs> and modern science actually agrees with it. Breath of life. In Genesis 2-7, God breathes the breath of life into Adam. This can be seen metaphorically in alignment with the scientific understanding of the importance of of respiration for life. Yeah. God basically gave us the ability to breathe, to be able to exist, for our body to function in such a way that we would be able to exist. We take it for granted every day. Whether we're asleep or conscious of it, we, we go through all this different respiratory changes and our blood flows throughout our body and all this oxygen and... The Bible actually tells us how God went about doing it. And science actually agrees with it. Unity of creation. The concept of God creating everything and declaring it good is interpreted by some as an affirmation of the unity and interconnectedness of all creation which resonates with ecological and environment sciences emphasizing the interdependence of ecosystems. Oof, that's rough, right? Yep. If any of you out there would like to do your own research and study, because there's no way that you would be able to you would, would have to be someone who is a student of both theology and science. There's a lot of atheists out there who claim to be amateur layman scientists simply because they know how to read off a paragraph in Wikipedia. 
But the truth is, is that if one had enough time in their existence, there are so many different fields of science. There are some that are claimed to be factual, and there are some that are claimed to be theories. A lot of atheists and religious people don't know the difference between what a fact is and a theory. A theory is pretty much, if you were to break it down, it's speculation. You're speculating based upon little blues clues that you may observe or see. You say, oh, how could have this happened? Maybe this happened or this happened in order for the result to come into play. As where a fact is something that we know for sure. We say, yep. But even most scientists out there, the brilliant ones at least, will tell you that um, truth isn't completely 100% whenever it comes to science. It's as close as you're going to get. But you can't really establish things. And we know that too. We can tell that because evolution has changed a hundred million times in the theory, as has the Big Bang, the age of the universe. Everything constantly changes the more we learn. You know, some theories are refuted, some theories are debunked. And scientists, the good ones at least, they will actually come up with an idea and another one will come along and knock it down. So we need to always keep an open mind. We always need to keep our hearts open and realize that um, we shouldn't delude ourselves into things. I think that a lot of people, they just look at science as the gospel because even if you don't believe in the Bible or religion, some people are looking for comfort. And sometimes people feel comfortable if they think they know a lot of shit they don't actually know. If that makes sense. You ever met people where they act like they know it all and somehow it makes them feel arrogant and pompous? Of course you have. Aaron Rahm, Matt Delahunty, perfect example. <laughs> but um, there you go. Um, you can use artificial intelligence to cut through all the cheese and all that. Um, there's a lot of things in the Bible that I wasn't aware of until I started using the artificial intelligence, because the artificial intelligence within seconds can actually process the entire Bible, as well as everything that has been acknowledged and learned in science, and actually be able to make a quick correlation of many things that match up. Now, you try that with any Christian or atheist, or go to your local church, and you're going to be lucky to be able to talk about even just one single line of this. It's just not how the human brain works. It doesn't process that quickly. It doesn't have the ability to somehow differentiate theology and science or be able to see the comparison. Well, I hope you all had a wonderful day. I'm going to go uh, hang out and eat a snack or something. I am famished. God bless.